0: Here we go, John chapter 17, beginning at verse 11. Jesus is speaking, he's praying to the Father, saying this. I will remain in the world no longer, but they, my disciple followers, are still in the world. And I am coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them by the power of your name. The name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that the scripture would be fulfilled. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word and the world has hated them for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. And then John 19, the next day at the cross, when Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. That's the word of the Lord. So in Jesus movies lately, particularly Jesus movies that focus on his suffering and death, I've noticed that the movies have given a highlighted role more than previous movies to to Mary, the mother of Jesus. And they've focused on her, on the intense pain that she's suffering as she helplessly watches her son Jesus suffer and be killed, be crucified, that causes Mary, who loves her son, lots of pain. She, she can't hold him on her lap and keep him safe. She can't hide him from the enemies that are hurting him. She can't even help him survive and he dies. Oh, the things that Mary can't do. Very similar to Moms today, even if you don't have a son and his name is Jesus, you love your kids. But moms today experience that pain of Mary, that helplessness. That that There's some things that moms can't do. Mom, it hurts your heart that you can't hold your 17-year-old on your lap anymore. Physically, you might, maybe, but your 17-year-old's going to say, Not happening, Mom. Right? Moms can't hold their teens on their laps. Moms can't hide their kids from every bully, from every flu germ, from every trouble in this unfair world. Moms, can't, you can't do that. You just can't. And moms can't always help an infant to stop crying, or a toddler to stop fussing, or a grown child to avoid bad decisions. There's lots of things moms can't do, just like Mary, and it hurts. But on the other side of it, there's a lot of things that moms can do. As a matter of fact, moms are so good at doing what moms can do that they, moms can do what Jesus himself cannot do. I'm serious. Jesus is not a mom. He never will be. Moms, you can do what you can do as a mom that Jesus cannot because he's not a mom. Secondly, because Jesus has ascended into heaven physically ascended, right? So his disciples watched him float up into the clouds like a big helium balloon and they couldn't see him anymore. And he physically is now seated at the right hand of God on his throne in heaven. Physically he's there. His physical lap is in heaven and it's not here. And so moms you can hold your kids on your physical lap. Jesus' physical lap is not here. You can do what Jesus can't. And Jesus' physical face is in heaven. Right now, he's ascended. He, it's, his physical face is not here. Jesus' invisible presence is everywhere, okay? I get it, but not his physical presence. So his physical face is not here, moms, to give the look to your kids that only you can give them, that, that kind of, I've told you this a million times look. See, moms, you're so special at doing what you do as moms that even Jesus can't do what you do as a mom. That's a pretty big deal. And I believe that's a difference maker for all of us. I I believe we can learn today as we bring together the ascension of Jesus and the gift of motherhood, we can learn about our callings in life that Jesus gives to us, whether we're moms or dads or friends or or daughters or sons or uh, our, our, our jobs. We're going to learn something from from Jesus' calling to moms and how it relates to his ascension. And be encouraged today. We're going to gain a better appreciation for our own moms, honor the moms who are here and around the world, and grow from God's word. So let's get started. Let's listen to Jesus. Um, So I want to listen to him first of all as he's praying in John chapter 17. Okay, So Jesus is now praying to the Father. This is on Thursday night, the night before he dies. And he's really preparing his disciples at this time too for the fact that he's going to die, rise, and ascend. So right here's John 17, verse 11. I will remain in the world no longer, but they, my believers who are followers, they are still in the world, and I am coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them by the power of your name. So the day after he said this, Jesus dies. He's crucified. He dies on the cross for the sins of the world to save us all, to forgive us. Three days after that, he rises from the dead. He comes back to life. He leaves the tomb. He appears to his disciples over a period of 40 days. Four, zero, 40 days. He's instructing his disciples. He's still preparing them for the fact that he's not going to be sticking around physically he's going to physically leave this earth and ascend into heaven sure enough 40 days after he rises from the dead on easter sunday 40 days after that he ascends up into heaven his disciples are gathered they're all around him he's teaching them and all of a sudden he's like he's floating dude he's like up going up in the air and what what is happening here and jesus physically ascends up through the clouds into heaven where that's his physical place right now in heaven seated at the right hand of God. That was 40 days after he rose. You ever ask yourself, why didn't Jesus just stick around? Sure, it'd be nice to have Jesus preaching today instead of me. Sure, it'd be nice to call up Jesus instead of your doctor and say, can you help my kid get over this sinus infection? be great to have jesus around today why did he have to leave i mean the people during his day got to see him and his disciples got to see him and why two reasons number one if you're smart write this down you got to remember this because this is important Write on your sermon notes number one jesus saving work was completed finished and done there was no more saving work for Jesus to do. I'm saying saving work now, not work. Saving work. Right? What did Jesus say even while he was on the cross about his saving work? It is finished. So Jesus had paid the entire debt for your sins. He, he had suffered the, 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 the justice for your sins. The holiness of God was poured out. He drank the cup of God's wrath. All anger and all punishment for all of your sins of all time was taken by Jesus and historically done. It will never happen again, ever, because Jesus took it on the cross. It's done. And then he rose from the dead to defeat the devil, to defeat death. All of his saving work was done. He didn't need to hang around any longer. He, he, he should have gone to heaven the day after he rose from the dead. But yeah, he gave his disciples a little kind of time of grace and a little chance to For it to sink in a little bit, some closure, 40 days. Number one, reason. He he ascended to heaven. His saving work is done on this earth. He has nothing left to do on this earth for his saving work. Number two, that applies to everybody in the whole world, all sinners. But not everybody knows it. So somehow, Jesus needs to get that the message of that saving work needs to get it to people. And he, in his wisdom, he's deciding the best way for sinners to hear that they are saved is not from him directly he was given that message for a few years and what happened to him they killed him not from him directly not from his his own disciples who could live forever if peter were still here or matthew or right no not from not from moses or elijah risen from the dead not from angels who are the best agents of God and messengers to share Jesus' saving work with other sinners? Yeah. You and I, sinners, who are saved by the work of Jesus, are the best, in Jesus' opinion, are better at sharing the message of his saving work with other sinners than even he is. See, you and I can do things that Jesus can't because of who he is, and he's ascended into heaven. So, his ascension means this, that, that Jesus' ascension changes his kingdom operations from executive to collaborative. Right? Jesus is the CEO, but you and I are his team. Jesus is no longer in the world. You and I are in the world. Jesus Completed the saving work that his father gave him to do you and I still have work that the father gives us to do so that's why Jesus is ascended and we have an assignment from God we have have a job we have work to do case in point is the interaction that Jesus had with with the disciple John and with Mother Mary at the cross case in point here that there are things for you and me to do that's our job it's not Jesus job Day. At the cross, he's dying, he's on the cross. One of the seven statements of the cross that, that we remember each passion season, but it's it's a case-in-point Mother's Day context, is when Jesus' mother Mary and the disciple John are watching him be crucified, and he looks down from the cross at them, and he looks at John and he says, Here is your mother, and he looks at his mother, and he says, as he's nodding at John, Here is your son. It was no longer Jesus' job to be Mary's son because he knew he would be dying and rising and ascending physically. He would physically not be here. So Jesus is always Mary's son, but in the, in the sense of being there physically for her on this planet, Jesus is now saying, John, that's your job. That's not my job. John would come over to Mary's house when she would say, my garbage disposal sounds like a diesel dump truck. And John would bring a wrench over and fix her garbage disposal. That wasn't Jesus' job. That was John's job. And when Mary's lawn got too long, when, when there were weeds coming up in her garden, it was John's job to go over and mow her lawn and to pull her weeds. That wasn't Jesus' job. Jesus is physically in heaven. That's not his job anymore. He's saying, John, that's your job. The lawnmower's in the shed. Okay, here's the keys. It's your, now you're her son. You're like her stepson. Right? You're her son now. You take care of those things. When she needs advice about her 401k, John, you need to come over, grab a cup of coffee, and help her understand what a 401k is and how it works and how to... How to she can divest and take fun. But it's not Jesus' job. He's in heaven now. And then John said to, or Jesus said to his mother, Mary, you know, you're going to love this disciple John in a special way. I've loved him. Well, I'll always love him, but I'm, I'm not going to be able to love him in the way that I've loved him before. He's, I, he won't be able to put his head on my lap. I won't be able to put my arm around his shoulder. It's, uh, so you're his mom now. You, you take care of those things. John, here is your mother. It was Mary's job to make John a sandwich every day that he could take to work. That wasn't Jesus' job. That was Mary's job. Mary's job to stop at Walgreens and pick up prescriptions for John. Not Jesus' job. Jesus in heaven. Mary's job. Now, uh, what I'm not saying, I'm not saying that Jesus totally divested himself from involvement in their lives altogether. That's not true at all. But there are certain things that Jesus assigns to us, his people, he wants us to do, and he's not going to do. So what is Jesus doing? Listen to his prayer. Listen to these words here, right? He prays to his Father about his, the people he's leaving behind on this earth. Father, protect them by the power of your name. Jesus' job is to keep his disciple John and his mother and all of his believers, including you and me, once he's ascended into heaven, on his father's protection list. Protect them, Holy Father, by the power of your name. While John has a wrench in his hand changing Mary's, the, the, fixing her garbage disposal, Jesus is protecting him physically. I don't know, through some angels, through some circumstances. He's, he's watching over him. He's protecting him physically. Jesus, through the power of the Father's holy name, is protecting John spiritually. He's building him up so he can serve and love his mother, his new mother, Mary. He can take care of her in ways. Same with Mary. Jesus, from heaven, ascended into heaven, is watching over his, his mother, Mary, even as he can't He's not on earth to physically care for her, but he's watching over her. He's blessing her spiritually. He's blessing her physically. There's a bacteria that wants to enter her stomach, and because he's Jesus and rules over bacteria, he he, he just prevents it that one time in his his way. He's blessing her. He's protecting her. Think about protection for a little bit this morning. I mean, the more violent and crazy and insecure our world becomes, the more we rely on security measures, right? I mean, I hear more commercials on Pandora these days for home security systems than I've ever heard before, and they're all they're all and they all say we have we have better surveillance. We have someone on the phone for 24 hours. If you call us, you're not going to get a voicemail. We're there. We have we can you know monitor your entire house inside and out. And you know there's just security everywhere. You think about uh, credit card companies now that offer to run a scan of your social security number through all of the uh, inter- internet all over the world. And if it pops up, they'll they'll find that someone's trying to steal your identity. You go to the airport, and the TSA is scanning our carry-on bags. I mean, there's security everywhere, but there was still a bomber in Flugerville, and he killed people. And your Facebook account got hacked, and your or someone else's identity is stolen. Despite all our protective measures in our world, our protective measures are not perfect and are not guaranteed to keep us perfectly safe, are they? We know that. And yet, get this God's protective measures are perfect. Protect them. Are, he called Holy Father, Jesus says. God is holy. Does that mean perfect? Yes or no? Yes, of course. That means no failure, nothing bad, nothing wrong. So when, when God says, "I am," and Jesus praises Father, protect them, and God says, "I "I will, I'll protect them," and God says, "I'm your protector." That means He never fails at protecting you. Now, here's what happens. We think He does fail. We think, that's, that's really a pretty promise, God. Thanks so much. That's nice for kids to learn in Sunday school. But uh, when the nine-year-old gets leukemia, God, where's your promise then? When, God, when, I, when, my, when my company says that they're going to merge and I'm not coming along with them and I lose my job, where's the promise then? When I get married and discover ugly things about my spouse that I didn't know before, and marriage is nothing close to a honeymoon, God, I thought you were going to protect me from bad stuff. When death knocks on the door of my family at a very unwelcome time in an unwelcome way, God, Where are you then? Where is your protection then? When we have beautiful big plans as a church and they're dashed to the ground, God, I thought you were protecting us. This is what our hearts say, right? Mine and yours. And here's what we do we can play that game. God, since I cannot rely on your protection the way that it it should be protecting me, I can find other ways to protect myself. And we go back to earthly security measures that we know are not perfect, that we know are not guaranteed, but we're drawn to them anyway. The more that I worry about something, the more control that I feel I have to protect me from fearing it. That's why we worry, you know. We wor- worry is a control issue. It gives us this feeling like we're... I, I worry about the weather. I worry about the future. If I worry about it, somehow I feel like I have control over it. God, you're not good enough. I'm going to protect myself, and I'm going to worry. By venting or complaining or binging on Netflix or alcohol... I feel like I can protect myself from the stress of the day. If I carry a Glock. If I exercise. If I grab the premier platinum level of insurance policies in my world and in my life. If I invest properly. If I use my commanding presence. If I use my beauty. I can protect myself better than you can protect me, God. And we know that earthly security measures are not a guarantee of our protection, but we turn to them anyway. And we know God's protection is perfect, but we, we turn away from him. What is happening in our hearts? None of those things that I mentioned is necessarily wrong. It's not wrong to carry a Glock or to have insurance or to be beautiful or have a commanding presence or watch Netflix, okay? <laughs> None of that is essentially wrong, but it's how we look at it, how we treat it, the place we give it in our hearts above God, whose protection is perfect and holy, and then we, we take these things on, and God says, why, what are you, what are you doing? And then here's... The Here's here's his grace. He protects us anyway. He watches us give our hearts away. He watches us think that we can protect ourselves and say, no, thank you, God. And and because Jesus is interceding for us at the right hand of God, the Holy Father says, I will still be their protector. Here's a beautiful verse from Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 2. It says God guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. The father and the son crushed the head of Satan so that his lies and his deceits cannot hurt you, cannot control you. And you're protected from them by the wisdom of his Word. The Father and the Son unleashed justice on your sins once and for all at the cross and then baptized you into their name and, and claim you as their child and say your sins are forgiven. You are a pure and you're perfect, redeemed child of God. Your sins can't curse you or control you and they protect you by that forgiveness spiritually. The Father and the Son Rule over this world and over everything in it, disease and death. Rulers, politicians, governments, world powers, sickness, brokenness, other people who are difficult. Rule over them all and and protect you from the world. Now, does the devil still hiss and howl at you? Absolutely. Does sin still trip you up? Too often. Does the world make your life a mess? For sure. Remember Jesus' words. In this world, he says in John 16, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Do you recall from his prayer read earlier from John chapter 17 where Jesus prayed? He said, Father, I'm not going to take them out of the world, but protect them from the evil one. There's going to be trouble, but protect them through the trouble. God protects you. What you say is not protection when trouble enters your life. God is saying, sure, that's trouble, but that's not going to hurt you. It's not going to harm you. I'm protecting you from harm all your days. That's God's promise. That's protection. So, let's do our job, everyone, okay? Let's do our job and let God do his job. When we do, his kingdom works. Uh, I have to throw this in here, because Jesus just throws in to this, as, as another case in point, in the midst of this beautiful prayer to his father, he throws, in, he throws the gauntlet down on Judas. Judas right? It's this beautiful, dignified, high priest, priestly prayer that Jesus is saying to his father, and he's got to bring Judas, the mess of Judas into it. Why? Let me tell you why. So, first of all, here's what he says in this prayer. None has been, Jesus is talking about his disciples. He says, none has been lost except the one doomed to destruction. Bad translation. That technically, in the Greek there, it says doom to destruction sounds bad, and it's really, it's not true. It's God didn't from eternity destine Judas to choose evil. Okay? He knew it would happen, but he didn't predestine Judas and force him to make evil choices that betrayed Jesus. All right? That's a whole other sermon, but you just got to understand here, God doesn't destine evil. He doesn't choose for evil to happen. He wanted Judas to be a good, believing disciple and to follow Jesus like the other ones. Judas made the choice to not do it. So this is, literally here it says, son of destruction. Not the one doomed to destruction, but it says son of destruction. Jesus wanted Judas to be a child of God, a child who followed Jesus, and Judas chose to follow destruction and evil instead. That's the point. So accept the one doomed, the son of destruction, so that Scripture would be fulfilled hmm, why does Jesus throw this Judas thing in here? Because, first of all, this this evil act on Judas' part did not make God's kingdom work unravel. It actually brought it together. God can use the greatest evil for the best purpose in his kingdom. That's why Jesus is mentioning Judas here. And secondly, This greatest evil that Judas does is not beyond Scripture. Jesus says so that the Scripture could be fulfilled. God's Word even called it. God's Word is so powerful, so perfect in that way. So, moms, teach your kids God's Word. That's your job. Teach your kids God's Word. And to teach your kids God's Word, moms, that means you need to know it You need to study it and read it. You need to live it. You need to be practicing it so that they see it in you. There's this beautiful passage in 2 Timothy 1 where uh, Paul, the apostle Paul is writing to Timothy. As I'm reminded of your sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice and I am persuaded now lives in you also. Oh, that's the passing on of faith. That's the... The grandma and and mom teaching Timothy God's word from the Old Testament, teaching him the scriptures. Paul can write to Timothy from infancy, you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And it was his mother and his grandmother as, as primary sharers of the word. How you doing there, moms? I know that Moms can feel like a failure there. I know the pressure is big for you to share the word of God with your kids. And you might look at the past or even where you are now and say, I don't know if the Apostle Paul would write this to my children about me. I, I just, I don't know God's word as much as I should, right? I don't have devotions with my kids as, as often as I would have liked. and My daughter knows how to sew really well, but I don't know if she knows where the book of Habakkuk is. And my son is a successful attorney, but he doesn't go to church anymore. Moms can think, I might, passing on the faith my faith is so weak and small i i need to have stronger faith to pass on to my children and you need to know moms making people spiritually strong including your children is not your job it's jesus job don't get your jobs mixed up okay your job, moms, is to share the word. That's it. You just, you just share the word. You, you believe the word. You, you share the word. And you do that, moms. I, I'm looking at Christian moms here, and I know you do that. I, you do it by your example every day. You do it by, by telling your kids how you pray for them. You do it by talking about Jesus in your homes. You do it by the cross you wear on your neck. You do it by bringing them to church. You do it by setting an example, and you're, you're sharing the word, moms. You're doing it. You're, that's your job. You're doing it. It's Jesus' job to make your kids spiritually strong. That's something that you can't do, moms. Jesus can. You can't. Just share the word. You're planting seeds, and Jesus can take that seed and make it grow. I want you to remember this, moms. Write this down and, uh, and say this to, to Jesus in your prayers this week. Um, when I do what Jesus wants me to do, he does what I can't do. And I think that's one of those nuggets today that applies to any calling. You don't have to be a mom to say that. When I do what Jesus wants me to do, then he does what I can't do. Here are some things moms can't do. This is uh, from a nice little kiddies book written by Douglas Wood I found online. And uh, it's a cute little book. It's, called, it's literally called What Moms Can't Do. Okay? Here are some of the things it says. There are lots of things that regular people can do, but moms can't. Moms can never pick out just the right clothes, and they have trouble keeping things cleaned up. Moms can't have yummos with purple marshmallows for breakfast, only coffee, tea, yogurt, or bran flakes. Ick. Sometimes moms are not good at hearing themselves think, whatever that means. Moms are not good at saying goodbye. Moms can't let go of a hug without a kiss or nine. You get it? Douglas Wood is saying what moms can't do can't do just because they love their kids so much and because kids are hard to love sometimes. Moms, Jesus loves you so much. And you're not easy to love sometimes too. But Jesus loves you so much that he entrusts you with this, this is important job, this high calling, and you're doing it well. You, moms, you do things that Jesus can't. That's how important your job is. But remember this, moms. You do things that Jesus can't, but he does things that you can't. And moms, you are not the Savior. Only Jesus is the Savior. You are not the Savior of your children. You are not the Savior of yourself. But Jesus is. And that's really good news because that's his job. And he does it perfectly. So moms, take it easy today and rest. Happy Mother's Day. Okay? And I want want this day to remind you of something. As... As you enjoy our snacks today, which are put together by the men of our church and not the women, not the moms, we want you to take it easy, moms. And you go home and your family serves you, like it might be the only day of the year, I hope not, but right, that you feel like a queen. They, they clean the dishes up and they, they make lunch for you and they don't let you vacuum today. Right, and you, and you can take it easy and you, and you enjoy a break. Moms, let that remind you of the spiritual truth of this day. That there are some things that Jesus does not want you to do because it's not your job and it's his. And as you do your job, he does what you cannot. And he blesses you to do your job that nobody else can do no more and no less. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are in the holy place of heaven now, having ascended and being seated at God's right hand. You have all power and authority over everything, and you can do anything you want, but you've chosen to leave us in this world to be your witnesses and your ambassadors. You've chosen to delegate authority to moms and to make them a gift and a blessing for us. Thank you, Lord, for our mothers who may not be here with us today, but we remember them. And and we don't even realize all of the blessing that they were to us, but you do. We thank you for that, and we pray that we might appreciate them more. Their memory, if they are gone, or appreciate them in person if they're still on this earth. Help us to do that to honor and to dignify them like you do. Bless the moms here today to understand more clearly what you want them to do and what you don't want them to do and what you do so well for them on their behalf. Thank you for good Christian godly mothers in our church. May they be a blessing not just to their children but to our church too and to our community. All these things we ask Jesus in your Father's holy name. Amen.